everybody and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until 11 o'clock this morning. We have mostly an open line today. may have a surprise or two for you before the show is over, but you got plenty of time to uh, talk back to us. We always say that. This is your one chance during the day to talk back, and it really isn't the only time. We've got sports talk and a few others where you can uh, call in. But uh, for longer conversations, long form, if you will, this is the place. And uh, tomorrow, we're going to have Appellate Court Justice Robert Steigman, Circuit Judge Michael McCuskey, and the opinion editor of the News Gazette, Jim Dye. They always are, at least to me anyway, and uh, many of you have told me that you can't wait for them to, to be back on. Because they, they know what they're doing. They know a lot of stuff. They argue from time to time. We range, range from, I don't know, all the, uh, the things they're doing in the Supreme Court to the things they're doing locally to just plain law questions that the people like to ask. That will be tomorrow. Today, it's an open line. 3569397 is the phone number. Castle Heating and the Cooling text line is 3515357. Governor Rauner's mandatory veto of a, the bill that the Democrats held until Monday may result in no funding for schools anytime soon. Most appear will open anyway without the money. They got some on hand, but for how long without? Any state money, that would be the question. And if they try to uh, veto this uh, bill that uh, the governor sent back to them and they don't get uh, the override, then we're back to square one. Zero. That's where it is. If you have any questions or comments about it, that's a major, major story here, but uh, has been for quite some time, and they waited and waited to get the bill to Rauner, and he had some time on Monday. Of course, he already had in mind what he was going to do. He had said he was going to veto it. The uh, Champaign City Council okays the Citizens Group for Reviewing Police. The mayor will appoint four people. The fifth will be a human relations official. And a 2% collection fee on certain tax dollars will remain with the state, will not make their way back home. 
Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And the Champaign Park District has laid out an ambitious set of recommendations for the walking, jogging, and biking paths for the city. This is a five-year plan. It's called the Trails Master Plan, recommended by a 10-person group appointed by the Park District. DUI charges filed in a crash with a child in the car. Jordan Lipscomb was arraigned on Monday. And switching to national and international politics, that's always out there, right? Fox writer Howard Kurtz says it's unstoppable. He said Trump, Kelly, and Saramucci all hit by a new gusher of leaks. Unstoppable leaks. Fox News contributor Laura Ingraham uh, says that a lot of Republicans don't want President Trump to succeed. They're not following along, and that plus the Democrats and the, the media are really making it difficult for Trump to get much done. And it appears uh, to be chaotic in, in the White House, uh, at least with regard to personnel, because first one person is hired, then another person is fired, and so on. What is happening with the health care bill? Well, Senator Lamar Alexander says a bipartisan health care committee will meet to find ways to repair the individual market. They've endorsed an outline of ideas aimed at making urgent fixes to Obamacare as opposed to repeal or repeal and repair. Right now, they're thinking only about repairing, I guess. And an ICBM test uh, carried out by the U.S. Air Force sent an intercontinental ballistic missile 4,000 miles from a base in California into the Pacific. Officials say the test had been planned for a long time and should not be considered a reaction to recent North Korea activity. And the U.S. uh, saying that we may get tougher against China trade policies. And a lawsuit was filed yesterday claiming that Fox News coordinated with the White House on a false story suggesting that last year's murder of former Democratic National Committee staffer Seth Rich was connected to the theft of DNC emails during the presidential campaign. So another lawsuit, another committee, another commission. They're good at that, but not so good in getting things done. So those are just some of the things that we're going to talk about. This school funding uh, situation is really, really dark and gloomy at the moment, and I don't know exactly what to to say about it, just reporting uh, what has happened. But I really thought that when we got closer and closer to the first payment being due, and that's, that's August the 10th, 
that this thing would shape up and they'd get it finished in one way or another, but it doesn't look like they're going to do that. Richard is first this morning. Good morning, Richard. Well, good morning, Jim. Um, I want to echo something that uh, one of the callers uh, said after Mr. Nolan was on a couple of days ago. He enlightened me a good deal about the problem uh, with the school funding bill that uh, right now has been vetoed. And I'm just speculating that uh, tomorrow uh, that will be a topic that uh, the justices will be asked because most of us aren't aren't in need of attorneys and you know facing civil and uh, <clears throat> criminal uh, matters. I thought maybe you could get Jim to come in and talk and supplement the uh, just a, a one-time thing. Uh, I I had some specific questions I would put to him if he were there, and maybe he could uh, have some legal uh, opinion. Uh, bolstering what he had to say, but I, I really think that that's something that could be helpful for for tomorrow. Just just my thoughts. You're talking about Jim Nolan now. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, Jim Nolan lives in uh, Danville, right? In Lakin. Oh, okay. Well, that's, up, yeah, up by Peoria. Well, uh, that's, yeah, just about 25 miles. So you think the uh, the why would there be some uh, legal opinions needed on this? What, oh, uh, what are you well, think? What are you thinking of? He's, he's not going to fund. He, he's trying to, uh, I guess, force more communities to fund the teachers. This is my perspective, Jim. Communities offer to get uh, difficult communities to teach and offer higher uh, incentives, i.e., better, uh, you know, retirement packages to to would-be teachers. And I think that this is what he's. I think this is what Rauner is fighting. And, uh, but, but again, I, I think no one knows far more than, uh, anybody else around here who calls in or, you know, or who would visit it. And I just, I just thought maybe it would be a topic, uh, that would come up tomorrow and maybe Mr. Nolan could be induced to come in and, you know, take a, a fourth seat. <laughs> anyway, it was just a thought that came to me mm-hmm. while I was, uh, you know, cogitating about tomorrow. I love to hear the judges talk. It's one of my favorite all right, uh, thank you, Richard. I appreciate the call. I don't know if uh, this is anything that the judges will even be uh, talking about tomorrow. We'll we'll see. But uh, Rauner uh, followed through on his uh, promise. At least he he did that to veto this uh, school funding bill. And uh, what happened was. This is no surprise because this is what he's been talking about all along. He's just taking aim at the hundreds of millions of dollars in in help for the cash-strapped Chicago public schools. And the Republican, the governor, had a, a lot of things to uh, say about, he's always been uh, a critic of the leadership in the Chicago Public Schools and uh, the Chicago Teachers Union. And here's uh, here's just a, a quote from the governor uh, yesterday, which uh, gives you a, a pretty good idea of what he's uh, complaining about. He said, there is an attitude that Chicago is the only community that has low-income students. This is false. 
Chicago is the only community that has English language learners. That's false. That Chicago is the only city with minority students who are disadvantaged students. That's false. Browner said at a news conference in the Capitol office, we have those children all around the state, and they all deserve to be treated fairly. Well, after he made his uh, statement, the Democrats ripped him, saying he's trying to play one community off of another to get reelected next year. And uh, they contend that his veto raises the possibility that all districts may begin the school year without any state funding. The only thing that the governor's action advances is his own personal brand of cynical politics, Mayor Rahm Emanuel said. It is well past time for Governor Rauner to stop playing politics with our children's future, to start demonstrating leadership and ensure a child's education isn't determined by their zip code or his political whims. So you can you can see how many different uh, opinions they have. The uh, legislature and then up in uh, Chicago. Rauner's veto certainly uh, sets us uh, back for weeks, maybe months even, I don't know. Senate has about 15 days to consider the veto. Then the House would get another 15 days. That is a month. Lawmakers don't agree with the changes or overturn them. Legislation dies, and the comptroller's office will be unable to send schools or state aid payments until a compromise of some kind is reached. The first checks are scheduled to be sent by August 10th. If that deadline is missed, it's unlikely that many schools will be unable to open. However, some districts may have to cut back on programs, borrow, or tap into reserves. And the stakes get higher as the days tick off during the calendar with pressure rising on lawmakers to do something to avoid angering parents who wouldn't be able to send their children to class while they go to work when schools are closed. 919, we take a quick break here. We're coming right back. That's uh, one topic today. There's a very... Interesting uh, story in the uh, Tribune today about, as the classes draw closer, frustration mounting over the political funding. But most area schools have enough cash to get by for now. And it has a list of the schools, all the schools in the area, and how many of them have uh, enough money to get by for quite a while and some not for very long. We'll take a look at that and uh, any other thing you might want to talk about on an open line after this first break. And a reminder that the FACER Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Secrets You Need to Know to Protect Your Home, Your Assets, and Your Family from the Cost of Long-Term Care. 
Learn about the law that completely changes the rules and much more Wednesday, tomorrow. Wednesday's today, right? So <laughs> this is today, so you're going to have it's, it's okay. You can still uh, get in. It's at 1.30 over at the I Hotel. Facer Law Office number is 337-1111 to reserve your spot. You know it's uh, quite late. It starts here in just a few hours. Uh, you call now and you can, it's free and you can uh, get in. They just need to know if you're coming. And ask about the book co-authored by Elder Law Attorney Thorpe Facer, Protect Your Family. Don't write a blank check to the nursing home. What happens if the school funding feud between Bruce Rauner and the legislature creeps closer to the start of classes? Well, the Gazette did a look at how many days' worth of cash the 10 area districts had on hand as of June 30th. And they've got a, a full list of all the schools. But the ones that are running low are Cerro Gordo, at uh, 52.3, Bismarck-Henning at 62.5, Oakwood 78.1, and Muhammad Seymour 82.4, and Urbana 96.4. Now, the ones that are, quote, sitting pretty are Prairie View Ogden, 483, St. Joe Ogden High School, uh, 420, Fisher 410, Arcola 309, and Champaign 235. If you look at the big long list of how many days worth of cash is on hand for area schools, uh, Cerro Gordo is at uh, 52, and that would be the least. Go on down the list to Prairie View, Ogden, the most, 483. So, not all the leaders in these districts agree with the assessment. Some say, uh, well, this is uh, Brett uh, Robinson, who's at Cerro Gordo. He's the superintendent there. He said, we, we finished uh, FY17 in the black in all four funds, education, operation, and maintenance and transportation, working cash. So there is virtually no way their estimate can be accurate. State Board of Education estimated that his district had about 52 days' worth of cash on hand, but Robinson had said he believes he has more than 100 days in reserve. So not everybody is agreeing with uh, these uh, numbers. But uh, the big point is that most schools will open no matter what happens. That's the way it appears right now. But for how long is the question. For Cerro Gordo, 52 days. It's disheartening when you put faith in people to do a job 
and they can't do it. I'm very disheartened to tell you the truth. That comes from uh, Mr. Uh, Watson, that's uh, Bismarck Henning uh, Superintendent Scott Watson. He said that the 62 days of cash on hand sounded about right to him for his school district. Urbana Superintendent Don Owens said the estimate of about 96 days of cash on hand was close, but uh, the district there in Urbana uh, also has extending circum, uh, circumstances, including the $3 million it's owed by the state, plus more than $7 million in escrow. Champaign School District had about 236 days' worth of cash on hand, according to the ISBE assessment. Statewide, the district with the least was Calhoun Unit 40 in Hardin, just two days' worth of funding in reserve. Up in Lake County, school district up there had 958 days' worth So it's another showdown. We'll have to uh, wait and see exactly what happens. But right now it's uh, pretty grim. Well, here's something that's not grim. This is uh, about a terrific company, Woods Basement Systems. I've been telling you about them for quite a while now, I believe 10 years or more. This year they're celebrating their 31st year in business. Here's a couple of uh, items that uh, they would like for you to think about. Are all basement or crawl space wall cracks a problem? I'm talking about the foundation walls of your home. Woods knows all about leaking basement wall cracks, but did you know that crawl space wall cracks will let water leak into your crawl space? Most of that water then gets trapped on top of the vapor barrier, too, and it evaporates up and into your house. And that creates mold. And your air conditioning will be running so much longer and so much harder. So that's double trouble. Get your free estimate from Woods and fix those basement and crawl space cracks once and for all over the years. Woods has acquired several awards for their basement finishing projects and for their crawl space encapsulation system, but they're the proudest of their Better Business Bureau Torch Awards. Torch Awards are given for marketplace ethics, and Woods Basement has won it five times. Remember, Woods estimates don't cost you anything. And how much is it costing you not to fix the problem. Call Woods Basement Systems for your free estimate today, 888-935-4333, or go online to woodsbasementsystems.com. That's 888-935-4333 for woodsbasementsystems.com. Either way, you can find out about this fine company. 9.30, time for the news headlines with Brian Barnhart, back after that. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. We have an open line going, and we go to Jim. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, Jim. Hey, I had a quick comment on this SBY. 
Uh, Rauner is doing exactly what I voted him into office to do, in my opinion. He's trying to stop Chicago politicians from extorting hundreds of millions of dollars from downstate Illinois schools. This money is not going to go to Chicago school systems. It's not going to go to the students. It's going to go to pension funds and politicians. Anyone who doesn't realize that simply hasn't lived in Illinois very long. Mm -hmm. So I'm pulling for Rauner. I hope he sticks to his gun. Well, what, uh, what's going to happen? Uh, the, I, I agree with you, uh, Jim. That's exactly what he campaigned on, and that's, uh, he's, uh, I give him credit for He's uh, been taking a lot of heat here, but he is, he's sticking to what he said he was going to do, and he's, he's done it so far. But the fact remains that now we, we're at a crisis situation, and uh, wh- where do we go from here? Well, we've got to go to Madigan. Madigan's the block here. It's not Rounder. Uh, you know, this whole, they can phrase things any way they want. And if you don't want to give Chicago all your money, then you hate children. And as simple as that. But the fact is, Chicago school children are now outspending downstate school children somewhere between four to six to one. And they've got, the, it's not the money that they're not getting. It's the money they're not getting because it's being funneled off to every crook in Cook County. And, and that's not going to change. So I don't know what to say about it. Let's, you know, but but the answer is not to not to send them another couple hundred million dollars. They won't have one penny reach the school. This is just give us money, and we'll let you have a few pennies on your dollars. That's simply all it is. And, and I'm just pulling for. I'm, I'm just hoping. Like I say, I hope Rounder takes his guns. I hope he's successful here. Well, I, I, I kind of do too, but I uh, yet uh, there are all kinds of uh, people around here, uh, friends and neighbors of uh, mine and yours that perhaps have uh, young people that are getting ready to go to school and uh, and they don't they, they they don't know exactly what to do, nor do the uh, the administrators or the the uh, superintendents and school boards or they're all and and we just can't. You think we can go on like this? Uh, Forever without getting well, some Madigan's not going to change. We know that. I, I understand that, but if if, if there are going to be torches and pitchforks out, then they need to be directed at Madigan because this, no matter how much money you give these people, nothing's going to change. It's not going to the schools. It's going to the pension fund. It's going to the politicians' pockets. It's going to the to the more dirty politicians. Chicago is more crooked than probably most third world countries. It's just, <laughs> nothing but a cesspool, and there's no reason to keep funneling money into it. Okay, that, well, well, we're, we're kind of going around in a circle <laughs> yeah, here, uh, know, Jim, I because uh, I, uh, I, anyway. agree, I agree with you, and I, I, and I don't think all the blame should be on uh, Ronner. It uh, should be on Maddie. There's enough blame to, to go around, uh, I think. Well. But uh, I do think something needs to be done here. Somebody needs to have a crack in the armor and... Uh, Get a compromise of some sort. Well, well, otherwise, we're going to. Well, you heard me uh, read off those uh, schools that are going to have to close because they run out of cash. Right, right. I understand that, but it's it's, it's Madigan's fault, not Rounders. It's, <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't realize it just hasn't been in Illinois long. Well, I understand. I mean, we're, I think we're uh, cover, covering the same ground here, but that is the dilemma, isn't it? I just wanted to say go around her. So. Uh, I'm glad to, glad to hear your call, Jim. Thanks so right, much. Thank Appreciate you. it. And we go to uh, Dave. Hello, Dave. 
Hello, Jim. Hey, I think you guys left out one person in this crisis that we have now, too, and that's Cullerton. They passed, the Senate passed this bill in May, and they held it for two and a half months before they put it on his desk. Yes, exactly so right. It would, it, so they created a timing crisis. So I think we can say Madigan all we want. We can we could blame Rauner, but he's doing exactly what he said. But Cullerton took, I'm sure, um, <clears throat> work orders from uh, Madigan, though, on this. But he's the one that held the bill for two months and made it a crisis. That, uh, and, that's exactly right. That's uh, when you have the... Uh that's when you have the leverage when there's only a few days or a few hours to go. That's when things happen, uh, unfortunately. But I would have thought if you pass a bill that you need to send that on right away, um, you know, that there would be a timing on it. You know, you have so many days. I think the governor has 30 days to veto or the, you know, the, the pocket veto that the president has has a time limit on it. Wouldn't there be something upon the legislature also that says you have to pass this bill on in process in so many days? I would think so. I mean, if there isn't uh, such a a law, there should be one. I would think that you can't hold something for six months, but they held it for over two. So I don't know if Jim Nolan would know that or not, or Jim Dye. I, I have no idea if that's something that exists or not, but I think it should. Well, it's, uh, it must be uh, okay. In other words, it must not be against uh, the law, but it's uh, certainly against any uh, ethical uh, way of doing business, that's for sure. Or, or common sense. Common sense. Oh, well, it's yeah. government. That's right. You yeah. don't have common sense. <laughs> you just mentioned a couple of words there that they don't even uh, think about over there is common sense. I think everybody's been given the gift of common sense, but nobody knows how to unwrap that thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a ribbon on it, but it's uh, tied tightly. And so nobody knows how to pull the ribbon apart. I think you're right. Too bad. Thank you, Dave. Good point. Hey, thank you. One thing Cullerton said was, he continued to say this, he said, I'm not going to send him the bill because I think the best way to solve this would be to sit down and uh, talk about it, as opposed to me sending him the bill and then him uh, vetoing it, and then us having to override the veto. We need to sit down and talk about. It. Well, that's that's political talk. Sit down and talk about it. How many days and nights and months have they had to do that? Rich is next. Hi, Rich. Good morning. You know, I I think. The fact that either side or both sides, as it may be, playing politics like this, when we are the laughingstock of the United States because of our financial situation, is uh, it just makes my blood boil to be from Illinois. And uh, it, it's ridiculous. Well, it's, uh, it's embarrassing. It uh, makes you sick to your stomach. You're no doubt, no doubt about that. And you just want to go over there and shake them or something and say, come on, can't adults get together and uh, and operate? There are, you know, plenty of other states that seem to be getting this done. Well, you know, that two-and-a-half-month delay, I've heard they're going to try and delay this, um, 
you know, potential override as long as they can as well. And the reason being, they want the crisis. They wanted to get it exactly to where it is right now, where schools may not be able to open so that people will uh, have to cave. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a bad way of doing things. And uh, it's that coercion. It, it, it reminds me of that um, English lesson where, you know, con is the opposite of pro, which means Congress is the opposite of progress. <laughs> I had not heard that. That's, uh, that sounds, uh, sounds just about right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, and I don't have any, I have zero hope of this changing, especially as long as Madigan's in office. But uh, I'm sure whoever would be taking over has been well trained by him as well. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of helpers there. There's no no question about it, and uh, he's uh, he's not going to change his his mind. He's not going to change the way he does business, and uh, neither is Rauner, evidently. So, well, as long as as long as two counties can elect a governor over the other hundred in the state of Illinois, this isn't going to change. Yeah, I said the other day that nothing is going to change as long as I still think that uh, southern Illinois is uh, just south of I-80. That's correct. Hey, thanks for the call, Rich. Appreciate it. 945, let's take a break here, Mr. Bond. Phone line's open at 356-9397. You can uh, text us at 3515-357 back after this. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts, I'm Jim Turpin at 3569397. Text me at 3515357. Dick is next. Hello, Dick. Hello, Jim. Um, well, this might be too simplistic, but this uh, bill uh, that's Ronner holding out, if, if I understand it, it's be, he's trying to get more of the money for downstate schools and not have all the money to go to p- bail out the pensions in Chicago, school pensions. If the Democrats downstate would just uh, go chip in there with Runner, I think uh, I think that would make sense. Does does that not sound right? Yeah, but uh, what do you think the chances are of that happening? Well, I I think it's it's kind of the proof between whether they're going to just follow their their leader up in Chicago and let everything go to Chicago, or if they're really going to support their people downstate. So I guess. Yeah, they're just going to have to go to the voting box and, and decide that. Well, yeah, that's uh, about our only hope. If, uh, if we've got people that we don't think are doing a good job and don't have our best interests uh, at heart, uh, that's all we can do is wait till the election and uh, elect somebody else. But it sounds like it's, uh, it, it, am I reading that right, that it's uh, the majority of the money that, that's in that bill is going to Chicago to bail out the teacher's pension fund. Yeah, he wants to take that out and make uh, rewrite that and make it a separate bill and, uh, and leave that out. And that's, of course, not what the Democrats want. No, Madigan yeah. wants. Well, well, that's my, my two cents for this morning. <laughs> I'm glad you called, Dick. Thank you. The governor says he supports the uh, state covering the Chicago Public Schools' normal pension costs, which the state already uh, picks up for districts outside of Chicago, along with added money to pay down debt. 
an option not being, can off, not being offered uh, to the city. Under the governor's proposal, that tab would start at $221 million, with number crunchers figuring out future amounts. That's not far off what the lawmakers approved, and Rauner wants to take the pension payment out of the education bill and put it into a new piece of legislation. This is a process that includes its own political hurdles. Let's say he gets that uh, done, and now we got another controversy about uh, how that uh, piece of legislation would look when everybody had, had their say. In addition, uh, covering the normal costs does not need to include what's needed to eliminate debt to the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund caused by the district skipping and skimping on contributions and making faulty assumptions about investment earnings and the benefit payouts. Under the bill, extra education funding dollars would be distributed according to what's known as the evidence-based model, which uses 27 metrics and regional-based salary differences to determine an adequate target, in other words, an overall dollar figure that each school district should spend per student to provide an adequate education. To help reach that figure, the formula calculates how much each district can contribute in property taxes. That, quote, local capacity figure is added to the amount of state aid that each school district receives, and the formula then distributes the new money needed to reach the adequacy target. Rauner's amendatory veto would change the way the so-called local capacity targets are calculated when dividing up new state education spending, starting with $350 million in additional funding this year. And, of course, uh, following the veto, several uh, Democratic candidates for governor accused Rauner of vetoing the legislation for political reasons. First, we had uh, Chris Kennedy. He said Rauner chose political games over our children. Doesn't all this uh, talk, every time you hear a quote from one of these people say, I, you know, I've heard that before. Can these guys and men and women say anything new? And uh, let's see, State uh, Senator Daniel Bliss of Evanston said the governor has proven that he cares more about his own political future than the future of millions of children across America. How about Pritzker? He's been uh, talking for months now. Well, he accused Rauner of being blinded by his crusade against Chicago's children and families, while Northwest Side Alderman Amaya Parwar, so I'm sure I'm saying that name wrong, said the governor was trying to divide the state by traveling downstate to contend that people in Cook County and Chicago get more than their fair share. Still, Rauner said he was 
prepared to once again take his message on the road, vowing to continue his travels throughout the state to talk up his rewrite of the bill, even as he spelled out how the veto would mean more money for schools outside Chicago, he defended his changes. He said, My amendatory veto is an improvement for Chicago classrooms, for Chicago's low-income families, over the existing funding formula that's been in place for many years. And uh, Bill says uh, here in a text, uh, Mr. Nolan might be correct about the money distribution between Chicago and downstate, but that doesn't address the bias against downstate by Madigan, Cullerton, and members of the legislators north of I-80. In their minds, we are just a cash cow in rubes. And the text uh, comes in that says, The thumbnail sketch of the problem, Lake County had over 900 days worth of money. Hardin County had just two days. Downstate Illinois sending our tax money north is ridiculous. 9.57, a break before the news coming up here at uh, 10 o'clock from CBS. And a reminder, too, that uh, time is getting away from us here for this uh, particular uh, item. Facer Law Office inviting you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Secrets You Need to Know to Protect Your Home, Your Assets, and Your Family from the Costs of Long-Term Care. Learn about the law that completely changes the rules and much more today, 1.30, at the I Hotel. Call the Facer Law Office at 337-1111 to reserve your spot. 337-1111. Ask about the book co-authored by Elder Law Attorney Thorpe Facer. Protect your family. Don't write a blank check to the nursing home. This is DWS in Champaign-Urbana. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. We have an open line going. I'm Jim Turpin, uh, taking your calls at the 356-9397. Our Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 3515357. Hopefully uh, you heard uh, the mayor of uh, Champaign on the air this morning uh, talking about what the uh, Champaign City Council uh, did uh, last night. The council unanimously decided to create a citizen review subcommittee which will provide input on investigations into complaints against the Champaign Police Department. The Human Relations Commission subcommittee (coughs) will have subpoena power to obtain witness statements or other evidence to aid in its reviews. It will be called to work whenever the city's Community Relations Office reviews police complaint investigations or provides recommendations to Police Chief Anthony Cobb. The group will finish its work before Cobb makes his final response to a complainant. The main goal for the subcommittee will be to promote public confidence in the professionalism and accountability of Champaign's Police Department. 
It is a 1010. It's up to 87 degrees. This is a toasty one compared to some of the days we've had here uh, lately. But it's uh, supposed to get cool again. Be uh, quite nice. Effective uh, this month, here's another one you'll like. Tens of thousands of sales tax dollars collected locally will not make their way back home, remaining in the state coffers instead. Reading now from Tracy Crane, I should say, in the News Gazette. 2% of certain local tax dollars collected by the state on behalf of municipalities and counties will be transferred to state funds. The Illinois Department of Revenue estimates that will amount to about $60 million per year for the state. Vermilion County Board Chairman Mike Marin, whose finance officer had just delivered a report to him last week detailing the impact of the 2% fee, said, It's going to hurt, but we're strong enough that we'll be able to absorb it, but all these things add up. He said it's anticipated it'll cost the county about $200,000 in the upcoming year. Other municipal and uh, county finance officers Officials, I should say, were crunching numbers last week trying to determine their loss. In Champaign County, Tammy Ogden, the deputy administrator in charge of finance, said the sales tax fee will cost the county about $48,000 in revenue in the current fiscal year, but closer to 96000 the following year because the fee will be in effect for the entire year. Let's go to uh, Don. Hello, Don. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning. Uh, maybe we could have a sub-council for the city council in Champaign. Well, okay, if that's what you want. Uh, <laughs> I, put you well, in, I put you in charge of getting that done. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? I no. mean, somebody's got to keep shake on them guys. Uh but why I called, uh, last time you had Steigman on, he was kind of amazed with some story he was reading about uh, a city that had a uh, hate crimes officer, hate crimes sergeant is what it was, I believe he referred to. He was just totally amazed that a city would have a, a sergeant in charge of just hate crimes. And I was wondering, in Champaign-Urbana, if we have a hate crime division. I don't believe so. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of one. Yeah, I don't know, but it would be interesting to find out. Okay, well, we'll ask him tomorrow. How's that? It's, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'd know, but, I mean, if anybody from Champaign know, knows, I would be interested in that. Okay, thank you, Don. Back to the uh, taxes for just a moment. Mike Monson with the city of Urbana said it will cost the city $85,000. Jeff Hamilton with the city of Champaign, it said it will cost the city 367000 in one year. The Champaign officials anticipated that the state might cut funding to local governments in its uh, budget process. Uh, so Champaign set aside a reserve which should cover that loss. And in Arantoul, Comptroller Scott Brandon said the fee will cost that city about 25000 in revenue. He said, we don't like to see a reduction, but we can 
deal with it. Joe is next. Hi, Joe. Good morning, sir. Uh, concerning both state and federal government, right now I think what we're seeing for the most part is obstructionism by both the Democrat and the Republican parties. Uh, it's more so the Democrats here in the state. It's definitely that federal level. However, Republicans have their share of uh, blame to be taken, just like with this recent health care uh, problem that, that they had getting it passed. Uh, McCain, he shot that down by himself. And I truly believe that McCain's problem with the bill doesn't have anything to do with the bill. It's just simply to obstruct and try to embarrass President Trump because McCain was one of these never-Trumpers to begin with. And uh, I don't think anymore most of the politicians, especially the ones in Springfield, all they're concerned about is re-election and they don't want to go against Madigan, and so it's to hell with the people. And I think we see that on both federal and state levels. And the only way that's ever going to change is for the people to say, okay, we've had enough of this, and we're going to stop it and uh, put a stop to it one way or another by whatever means necessary. How did uh, how did we get in uh, this uh, way of uh, thinking, uh, Joe? Is this just because it's uh, Illinois and it's just traditional because— it appears that other states, uh, not everybody thinks that way. Well, you and I are probably old enough to remember the uh, Daly administration in Chicago and the absolute corruption and iron-fisted dictatorship that he had up there, which spread state level, and Madigan was part of that. And uh, that's what we're seeing today is the just absolute uh, totalitarian viewpoint that I'm the boss and it's going to be what I say and we don't care what anybody else says or thinks about it. Well, I'm afraid you're right, Joe. That's, uh, that's exactly right. They, uh, they're waiting for the next election and uh, many of them that uh, may feel like they, they want to do the right thing or hamstrung by such uh, leadership that we've had for over there for 40 years from uh, Madigan. Now we got a governor that appears to be somebody that's going to stand its ground no matter what. So uh, this is a log jam like uh, I, I don't know how it's going to be broken. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your call today. We're always fun to talk to Joe. He's always got some uh, good ideas. And here's a good idea, too. As retirement approaches, eliminating your house payment can seem obvious, but is Paying off your mortgage the right decision? The experts at Buthy say it depends. If you keep the mortgage, your retirement savings remain intact. You receive a tax deduction. You will have to carry the financial burden with you throughout retirement, of course. Experts suggest that keeping the mortgage, if you plan to sell your home, you have a high mortgage but little equity if you have recently refinanced. Now, pay off the mortgage and you'll have enough money to cover it, if you have enough money to cover it, if your retirement income is significantly reduced, if you want peace of mind, and or if you don't want to leave your family with debt. Busey experts advise against paying off your mortgage if it requires dipping into your 401k or reducing retirement contributions. 
you may end up paying or losing more than you save when you consider taxes. Plus, you could lose your employer's matching contribution. The experts at Buthy will guide you every step of the way. Stop by one of their many convenient locations or call 1-800-67-BUCY or visit ButhyMortgage.com to get started today. We'll take a break here at uh, 1018, 84 degrees at the Radio Center. 1023, 84 degrees. Bill is next. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Jim. You know, Madigan's got such power, it just kind of makes me wonder how he got it. I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of like putting a frog in a pot of water and then you turn the burner on and by the time the frog realizes he's in trouble, it's too late. <laughs> I can't imagine when Madigan started, he had this much power. It had to be a, a bill here, a rule there. Over 30 years, he's accumulated that power. And as he's got himself so locked in, you know, there's nothing. It's, it's insane that we can't, there's nothing we can really do about it. But I thought maybe the Constitutional Convention was a good idea. But, you know, I, I always usually agreed with Jim Edgar, but he had a string of just. Uh, positions that I didn't agree with, and this was one of them. Now, maybe he thought if we had a constitutional convention with the people in charge, it would just make it worse. But I don't. Do you recall what why no. uh, Edgar opposed the constitutional convention? Well, for uh, for one thing, he's uh, was opposed to uh, term limits, and uh, that was uh, one of the items that the people were talking about. If we had a Constitutional Convention, they would have tried to do something about term limits, and he didn't think that was a good idea. And I, I still don't know why, because I think most people think it would be a great idea. It's, I guess it's the old story, uh, let's get rid of your legislature, but mine is fine. And, yeah, and yeah, we like, we like our guy, but the rest of them are uh, a bunch of uh, <laughs> no goods. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy that the state is I mean, and Madigan has to see what's going on in the other states. They're cutting taxes and bringing in, you know, more companies to work and cutting their spending and, you know, having economic booms in Indiana and Wisconsin. And and uh, every time anybody on our side suggests anything, uh, we don't like children and we want less policemen, teachers, and cops. Yeah, yeah. I hear that every every time somebody says cut. It automatically comes up. So, a cut, but don't cut here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. I guess. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Lynn. Hello, Lynn. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I am good, sir. How are you? Better than I deserve, just like Dave Ramsey says. Huh. <laughs> you know. You know, Dave or Jim, it's kind of weird that. Um, the people down south of I-80 can't see what the heck's going on over there in Springfield. And uh, what is the matter with our local representatives, uh, such as Carol Ammons and and uh, Chad Hayes and Bennett? You know, they got schools down here that they have to look after. they got constituency down here. Why do they march to the beat of his drummer? Well, uh, that's... Uh... That's an awfully good uh, question, and why do all the people vote, uh, you know, every year they, they elect a Speaker of the House, and uh, why do they elect him each time? We, we know uh, well, 
You know the answer to that, don't you? I mean, uh, well, the answer pretty much is there's the, the, the Democrats or the Democrats, as I call them, from Chicago area, always vote for him for the speaker. One of them nominates him, and it just seems to me like the the downstate Democrats just get right in behind him, and here we go. You know, same old, same old. Uh, I I don't get I don't get it. What's the matter with these people? Why are they so darn afraid of him? Well, you can't do much on your own, for one thing, and uh, chances are he has provided uh, money uh, for the uh, for the campaign, and yeah. uh, the word uh, is pretty plain, I think, that if uh, you go over there, like right now, and uh, buck him against uh, any uh, bill, that will be the end of your career of trying to get anything passed over there because he won't allow it. Yeah, that's true. Him and Collickson, if they don't call the bill, it doesn't happen the way I understand it. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. They just, they don't have, he calls them. He, he tells you when you can vote on a bill and when you can't. Hey, I got to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. Appreciate the call. Let's take a quick break here, Ed, before the news coming up at 1030. We can get a minute or so here in. Dunkirk uh, coming to the uh, Virginia Theater, uh, too. We'll uh, tell you more about that uh, and remind uh, folks that you're going to get to see it in 70 millimeter. It's uh, 1030. Uh, Brian Barnard has the news headlines back right after that. We're back on uh, Penny of Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Phone lines open at 356-9397. The Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 3515 Mike in Champaign says on Fox News last night, the Tucker Carlson show, there was a guy who was organizing a petition for California to leave the United States. Maybe Chicago can do the same to leave Illinois. Well, Mike, there are people in Chicago that would be very happy to do that. It's not just us wishing we could get rid of them. They oftentimes are wishing that they can get rid of us. So, nothing like that's uh, going to happen. It's been talked about for years. Here's an interesting uh, story. I don't know if you uh, heard that an intercontinental ballistic missile flew 4,000 miles from an Air Force base in California into the Pacific early Wednesday morning in a test of the United States' substantial arsenal. The unarmed Minuteman III ICBM was previously scheduled and not a response to recent North Korean action, according to the Air Force. The test was long planned. This is the fourth uh, ICBM test this year. comes less than a week after North Korea's record-setting ICBM launch on Friday, which uh, officials say would have reached most of the United States if uh, fired on a regular trajectory. The Air Force ICBM test follows on the heels of a B-1 bomber flight from Guam to South Korea during the weekend. The U.S. also said it conducted a successful test of a missile defense system located in Alaska. 
The 30th uh, Space Wing said that Wednesday's launch occurred at uh, 2.10 a.m. out of Vandenberg Air Force Base, about 130 miles northwest of Los Angeles. Previous uh, Minutemen ICBM launches this year were conducted in February, April, and May. That month, the Air Force also conducted a test of a missile interceptor launched from Vandenberg, and the interceptor destroyed a mock warhead over the Pacific. So, happy to uh, hear that we uh, are doing that and we're testing it. You never know what's going to happen with the uh, folks in uh, North Korea. Surely they don't want to uh, start uh, bombing or having... Uh, I don't know what that guy wants to do. He's a madman. And... Uh, you cannot say he wouldn't do this or that because he very he might very well start shooting people and dropping bombs. But uh, he must know that starting something like that is the would be a quick end for North Korea. Several Republicans and Democrat lawmakers agree that Congress needs to prevent a collapse of the health insurance market, which could hurt millions of consumers. And that concern has opened up some bipartisan dialogue. Senator Lamar Alexander, a Republican from Tennessee, said the Senate Health Committee will hold bipartisan health care hearings on how to repair the individual market. In the House, a group of 40 lawmakers from both parties endorsed an outline of ideas aimed at making urgent fixes to Obamacare. The step toward bipartisanship on health care comes as some Republicans consider an approach that diverges from the president's stance. In other words, uh, repeal... Uh, didn't work, repeal and repair uh, didn't work, repair only uh, didn't work, nothing is working. So this uh, group is saying we just need to, there's some things that we need to uh, fix. President Donald Trump has taken a hard line on Obamacare after legislative efforts have failed last week in the Senate, saying that he wants to let Obamacare implode. In tweets this weekend, he threatened to stop paying insurance companies cost-sharing subsidies that help lower out-of-pocket expenses for low-income policyholders, calling them bailouts. On uh, Tuesday, Alexander announced that the Senate's Health uh, Committee would begin hearings in September on stabilizing the individual health insurance market. If your house is on fire, you want to put out the fire. And the fire in this case is the individual health insurance market. Both Republicans and Democrats uh, agree on that. Alexander said in a statement that he was working with Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington, to make the hearings bipartisan. Congress has to come up with a solution before September the 27th when insurers sign contracts with the federal government over what insurance plans to sell on the exchanges in 2018. About 18 million Americans who get their insurance in the individual marketplace stand to be affected, 
he said. Unless we act, many of them may not have policies available to buy in 2018 because insurance companies will pull out of collapsing markets. Take a break right here. We come back. We're going to have a little treat for you here this morning, a little something uh, different uh, after this break. All right. All uh, morning long, we've been uh, talking about uh, school funding and uh, vetoes and problems with uh, uh, Springfield and problems with uh, Chicago and on and on and on. Our heads are just filled with those kinds of things. But here is a little reminder that there are some good things going on. Back in, in July, July 1st, on a Saturday night, we did our Ice Cream and Independent uh, show, and one segment of the show was uh, dedicated to the University of Illinois. And uh, I'm just going to let you hear uh, a portion of this. It doesn't last very long, but it'll include some uh, narration from me and some uh, terrific uh, music and just make you, uh, maybe make you feel a little better than listening to all this uh, stuff we've been talking about this morning again on all these political matters. So uh, uh, let's listen, Ed. Well, the University of Illinois is celebrating its sesquicentennial anniversary right now. Yes, 150 years of tradition and excellence. And what better way to recognize this milestone than to perform a few Illinois song favorites? You might know that Band music is one of the oldest traditions at the University of Illinois. From its earliest days, the University of Illinois Military Band provided martial music for the Student Brigade. That was back in the time when military instruction was mandatory for all undergraduate men. Imagine that now, right? Nineteen-five appointment of engineering student Albert Austin Harding as assistant director of bands marked the beginning of a new era in which bands expanded from the parade ground to the concert hall and to athletic venues. The current Harding Band Building is named after him. In the 1920s, the American marching king, John Philip Sousa, dubbed the University of Illinois Band the world's greatest college band. Sousa's only connection to the university really was his long friendship with its first band director, Mr. Harding. Their friendship began in 1906 when Sousa's band performed in Champaign. And Sousa was even made an honorary conductor of the university's concert band, according to a tribute that Harding wrote after Sousa's death in 1932. Here now is John Philip Sousa's University of Illinois March.
as you uh, most likely know, Illinois is the title of the official state song of Illinois, written by Charles Chamberlain and composed by Archibald Johnston. Illinois became our uh, state song back in 1925. It was by an act of the 54th Illinois General Assembly. Now, the original song contains six stanzas of lyrics, but we usually hear only one or two in performance. Tonight, a special treat, you'll hear three. Here is <laughs> Yvonne Redmond, a very special a cappella singing of our state song. By thy rivers gently flowing, Illinois, Illinois, o'er the prairies verdant growing, Illinois, Illinois. Comes an echo on the breeze, rustling through the leafy trees, and its mellow tones are these, Illinois, Illinois, and its mellow tones are these, Illinois, not without thy wondrous story, Illinois, Illinois. Can be writ a nation's glory, Illinois, Illinois. On the record of the years, Abraham Lincoln's name appears, Grant and Logan and our tears. Illinois, Illinois, Grant and Logan and our tears. Let us pledge in final chorus, Illinois, Illinois, that in struggles still before us, Illinois, Illinois, to our heroes will be true, as their vision we pursue. In abiding love for you, Illinois, Illinois, in abiding love for you, Illinois, Illinois Loyalty is one of the most beloved school songs at the University of Illinois, first performed in March of 1906. Illinois Loyalty is also one of the oldest songs of its kind in the United States. It was written for the university's military band, the only band on campus at that time, written by Thatcher Howland Guild, who lived from 1879 to 1914. Gill was an instructor in rhetoric and a member of the band's solo cornet section. We're loyal to you, Illinois. We're orange and blue, Illinois. We'll back you to stand against the best in the land, for we know you have sand, Illinois. The Illinois Loyalty.
knowing that uh, so many in our audience are tried and true Orange and Blue followers of Illinois and Illinois graduates as well, it would be most fitting to end our tribute to Illinois' sesquicentennial with the Illinois alma mater, Hail to the Orange. Professor Redmond, would you lead us in that, please? Sing along. enjoyed that. Uh, <clears throat> we have a great time in those Ice Cream and Independence uh, shows, and uh, we invite you to uh, come each and uh, every year, and more and more people uh, seem to be coming. Uh, this year we had uh, a crowd of uh, between six and uh, 700, and uh, we're always hopeful that uh, someday, I know this was a Pete Griffin's uh, uh, dream when he was here doing these uh, shows, that uh, someday we'd be able to fill that place up. I don't know if we'll ever get that done or not, but uh, it's uh, it's a great uh, feeling, I think, when the, the shows are over and the folks down at the Virginia say that when people come out of these shows, they have a, a smile on their face and they're humming songs and they say they, they really uh, enjoy themselves and it makes them feel good at least for uh, a couple of hours uh, on a uh, uh, time when there are a lot of things to uh, to feel uh, not not so good about. But anyway, uh, my uh, thanks to uh, Ed Bond for uh, finding that among all of our uh, podcasts and recordings and so forth. And again, our thanks to uh, Linda Morehouse for putting together the band and uh, the wonderful singing of Yvonne Redmond. Our time is up uh, this morning. We'll be back with uh, Robert Steigman and Michael McCuskey and Jim Dye tomorrow on DWS in Champaign-Urbana.